What is up, everybody? Swags here, flying solo tonight. I kind of alluded to that earlier, but uh, it's still from the hill. Thursday, March 20th. Had to get one out. Spent a lot of time, as I put the video out earlier, trying to get uh, the home studio together. And if you didn't see the video earlier, as you can see, uh, we're in a little different bit of a venue here than what you're used to when you see us not in studio or me not in studio. Uh, no prop tonight. He's out celebrating some softball victories from the weekend or something. I'm not really sure. Um, but again, I put a video out earlier as I was working on the home studio here, and uh, I appreciate everybody's feedback. Just so you can see, these are the uh, letters that I was talking about earlier, the light-up letters. So, you know, it, I, I want to try and orient them. As you, yes, you can see that sign above my head still taped to the wall. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Um, but I, I'm not putting anything in a permanent spot here yet because I want to put these uh, up on the wall. But again, as to come off... You need to be able to access the back of the letter here to uh, to turn the, the lighting on and off. So, um, you know, it's nothing that I, like I said earlier, I didn't want to drill on the wall, but I am going to try the uh, the adhesive clear Velcro. Uh, thanks, everybody, for chiming in on that one. So I'm going to give it a shot. Um, but, yeah, wanted to get a quick one in tonight because I got a lot of stuff that I wanted to cover from the NCAA. Plus, I told you guys earlier, I'm pretty angry. So um, I know Scotty Dogs isn't going to love this because I am going to plug the Little League, but this is not going to be a kid-friendly show. I'm pissed off. I'm going to curse. It is what it is. My show, my channel. Um, it's snowing here. It's freezing. It's supposed to storm again. Somebody shoot that goddamn groundhog because I'm tired of this. This is outrageous. I tried to golf. Saturday morning, uh, I wasn't, well, I, I always try and golf, right? But I was in an outing with a couple friends, and uh, the weather was just horrible. Like, we were out there for six hours, which is outrageous in and of itself, for even for a best ball outing. That's outrageous. And I was frozen solid. It took me like four hours to thaw out when I got home. Uh, this weather is just, it's horrendous. It's absolutely terrible. This shit's got to stop. So, a couple shout-outs real quick before we get started. Like I said, as I've been mentioning the last couple weeks, Bridgeport Little League, this Saturday, the 24th, that's at 9 a.m. up at the Bridgeport Park. This is the cleanup day, field cleanup. Um, obviously, this weather is sort of putting a damper on it, but hopefully it's clear by the weekend so everybody can get up. If you have time, if you can get out there in the morning, head up to the park, help the kids clean up. Uh, they got to clean up to get the fields ready. We got opening weekend in a couple of weeks, so... As we talked about, you know, little leagues all run on volunteers. So do the kids a solid. If you can, get up there, help uh, help clean out. It's a good event. And again, uh, another shout-out. So the sign that you see here as well as uh, a couple others, uh, we got hooked up with Jared Blair from DMR Graphics. He hooked me up. I, <laughs> I'm going to put him on blast real quick. I asked him to send me uh, a readout so that I could do it here for this show, and he didn't. But, of course, I did my own research, so... Uh, I've got some information on DMR that I'm going to throw up in the description section of the video when I post it here live. So if you guys need anything, hit me up. I'll put you in touch with Jared. Uh, but he came through big. I mean, these signs are awesome. This one behind me is three foot by a foot and a half. He also got me two six foot by three foot. So they look incredible. They look great. All I did was send them the PDF version. They took care of the rest. So awesome job there, guys. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> so the reason that I'm like so pissed off and it, it kind of started 
this whole rage of a weekend I had with the bad golf weather and everything. And obviously like the paint job looks great on the wall here earlier, but if you checked out my mini video that I made, I alluded to it that I paint like shit and I'm a bad painter. What made it worse is I dropped a gallon of paint and exploded on my carpet here in the room. So I'm not going to show you that, although you guys would probably get a good laugh out of it. Um, I've spent a lot of time trying to clear it up. I don't know if you've ever tried to clear paint off a carpet, but it's the worst thing you could ever possibly try and do. Uh, don't ask me how it felt. Don't ask me any questions about it. Like I said, I'm really fucking pissed off about it. Um, I, hopefully, I can rent one of those steamers. Like Hopefully, after all this work that I do, it's going to come up. Otherwise, I'm going to have to throw rug it. But that just started, like, my frustrations with that. Um, so just pro tips, you know, make sure that your paint cans and your paint lids are secured because, uh, yeah, spilling a gallon of paint on the floor really put a damper on, like, a six-day stretch for you. Trust me. <laughs> all right. So all that being said, what I really wanted to cover today was uh, the NCAA. And the NCAA tournament every year this time of year is the greatest event. And it, it it's always, it's always lives up to the bill. Uh, the first two rounds are over, uh, and now everybody's reflecting on what happened. Everybody's brackets are busted. My bracket's sitting here. It's absolute garbage. I'm not even going to show it to you. Uh, I'm completely busted. Uh, and I'll talk about why I'm busted when I go through uh, some of the upsets here. But what I wanted to start with was... I've heard a lot of talk over the course of the weekend about just the basketball itself that was played, and is this really bad basketball? And the answer is, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is bad basketball, and I'll tell you why. There's really two reasons why it's bad basketball, and number one, we've sort of alluded to in past shows, and what we've talked about has got to be done, is the one-and-done rule, Right. Um, this is making for bad basketball. A good example of this is Oklahoma got in, right? And they've got their one-and-done guy, and Trey Young. And, you know, he sort of put on a little bit of a show. But that game, I don't know if anybody watched it, was absolutely horrible. And he actually didn't really show out or, or play that well necessarily. He was chucking up some crazy shots. Um, and the game was just bad. It was just bad basketball. But the thing about... The tournament overall, and what I was saying with the bad basketball is people were saying, well, why are we watching this? Like, it's, you know, it's such bad basketball, it's a bad product. All those things may sort of be true, but the thing about it is the reason that this is so great and it's one of the most beloved sports events every single year is because it's so important. Every game is so important. Like, when these kids are playing, every single game means something. If you lose, you're done. And that's the thing that I think we pass over a lot in when we talk about sports as a whole and when we talk about like regular seasons, especially Major League Baseball, NHL, and NBA. Because on a given Wednesday or Thursday night, there's going to be NBA, NHL, baseball games on, and they're meaningless. You'll watch the game because it's your team or if it's two of the better teams playing, and you'll be vested in it for that reason. But in the scheme of playoff implications, you know, everything about it, they mean nothing because there's just so many games. And the beauty of this tournament is that it's so final, and that's what makes the game so exciting. It's not necessarily the good basketball. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a bunch of people this weekend about why it's so bad, and I always I bring this up every year, but it's free throws. These kids, this, this free throw thing blows my mind with college kids, and I'll tell you why. 
So I looked at the shooting percentages, and if you've watched any of the games, you'll see that these kids are awful free throw shooters for the most part, right? I mean, I'm generalizing. But I saw a kid, and he comes up to the line, and this kid shot for the season above 45% from three. But he was shooting sub-60% at the free throw line. That in and of itself is sort of mind-boggling, right? Now, we know that free throw shooting is much more of a mental thing than it really is physical, but the fact is is that that goes into the whole part of this being bad basketball, right? Because these kids down the stretch, what makes these games so exciting at such you know bad basketball is that they miss their free throws constantly. These kids get to the line late in games when they're getting fouled in one-on-one situations, and they miss the front end basically every time. Again, I'm generalizing, but that contributes to what we're seeing in the the bad basketball scheme of things. So, you you know, you take all that together and you just get this exciting, you never know what's going to happen sort of melting pot of basketball. And, And that, again, is the reason why we love it so much. So... The first two rounds went by, um, and I want to cover, I'll start in the first round, and then I'll move to the second round, and then <laughs> there's a betting angle that I want to cover here, because um, it's another reason that got me really pissed off. So I'll start in the first round, and I have to start with the biggest upset in NCAA basketball history, and it was Virginia, and they get knocked off by UMBC. So, and actually, it's funny, UMBC, I was joking, if anybody's ever seen Private Parts with Howard Stern, right? And WAMBC, WAMBC, yeah. <laughs> I was saying that a weekend, most people caught on to it, but some people didn't, didn't get the reference, but, so UMBC, this little school out of Baltimore, the 16th seed, keep in mind, this is a 16th seed playing Virginia, the number one overall seed, so when you do that math, that means this was the worst team in the tournament. And they beat the number one overall seed. I watched the game, I in the entire every play of the second half. And the funny thing about this game was to me, a couple things stood out. The first was I kept waiting for Virginia to come back, make their run, right, and take over as one seeds do when they're losing to a sixteen. I mean, we've seen it for every year since the tournament because no sixteens ever finished out of one. But certainly, some sixteens have been leading over a one seed. The opposite of that happened. UMBC just took it to them, and this vaunted Virginia defense, they couldn't stop them. So UMBC has a kid, and they have him listed at 5'8", 135. If he's 5'8", I'm 6'3". <laughs> That's how small this kid is. But what he did so well in that game was his ability to break Virginia's press and keep getting the ball up the floor. And so every time Virginia would score down the stretch, they could not, they even get set up in their press, but they could not take the ball. They couldn't turn them over, and it would turn into a two-on-one down the floor because Virginia was stuck in their press, and UMBC holds on to win. I actually talked about this quite a bit. I love it. I hate the way Virginia plays. I hate that they're the same team every year. Great defense, rock-solid defense, but dog-shit offense, and that's why they lost to a 16 seed. It's actually, like, reprehensible. This is the best team in college basketball all year, and you lose to a team who just barely snuck into the tournament, and then they spanked you by 20. I'm not here to call for anybody's job. I'll let all the gas bags on you know, national radio and real programs do that, but this is the type of thing that's like inexcusable to me. Um, but it, it goes back to the whole Virginia program. If there was ever a one seed that could get upset, it was Virginia. Again, because of how they play, their offense is awful. 
They can't score. It's been that way all year. And why they have such a problem with a UMBC or one of these really small conference crazy schools that runs a four-guard crazy system is that this isn't what Virginia sees all year, right? Virginia plays out of the ACC, and all they see all year are big-time talents, big lineups that they can muck and grind the game down all the time, and they run into this team who is so unorthodox that they end up beating them, beating their defensive style because they have no offense whatsoever. So, I mean, that's really all I had to say about it. I was actually glad to see Virginia go. Um, the team I wasn't glad to see go, the other notable first-round upset was Arizona. They lost to Buffalo. I wasn't happy to see them go for a couple reasons. First is because they busted my entire bracket. I had them going to the finals. as it. I guess it seemed everybody did. I guess I'm the asshole like everybody else taking Arizona to go to the finals. I think I really wanted Arizona to go to the finals because of the whole Sean Miller thing, right? I mean, the running joke was Arizona's going to win the championship and then 10 minutes later have it vacated, which would have been fantastic. I think we all would have loved to see that. Uh, but instead, Sean Miller's probably going to lose his fucking job because he comes in and just, you know, they totally get destroyed by Buffalo, another game that really wasn't very close in terms of dogs beating a, a top seed. So Buffalo runs away with it. They win. Arizona's out. Um, that was really the only noticeable, I think, upsets in the first round. Um, and then the second round, all hell breaks loose. So Michigan State goes down to Syracuse. And this game actually, to me, should be the least surprise upset of the tournament. And I actually said this. I, I stupidly placed a bet on Michigan State and then immediately texted a friend of mine in, with about two minutes into the first quarter, I knew that they weren't going to cover because I texted a friend of mine, and he knows who he is. I said, I can't believe I took Michigan State. I, in my head, I meant to take Syracuse because Syracuse does this every year. They sneak into the tournament, right? They barely get in. They live on the bubble. They actually played in a play-in game this year, right? But because of that zone that they run, these other schools outside of the AACC have never seen it and they don't know what to do with it. So Syracuse comes in to the tournament and makes it to the Sweet 16 every year, ho-hum. And so as soon as I placed that bet, I knew I lost it, but as I'm watching the game, I'm going, not only is Michigan State not going to cover, they're not going to win because Syracuse, because Michigan State, again, is another one of these teams, not like Virginia, they actually have some offensive talent and they can score, but they're a Big Ten type of team, and they are inside they they muck and grind you but they're but Syracuse's zone new like neutralizes so much of what other teams like to do and so they're able to come into the tournament and and win two games every year you should just mark it in and mark it down for next year Syracuse will be on the bubble they'll get in and they'll win two games and this year technically three games although the playing games are horseshit uh, I don't know why they have four playing games. And that's another thing about the playing games. doesn't make sense to me. And I wish somebody would explain it to me. How could Syracuse be in a playing game as like a nine seed? Wait a minute. What? I think they were a nine seed, right? Or were they lower than that? Where is it? Let me find them here. Uh, I'll just keep like rambling here while I talk. But I think they were a nine or maybe an 11. Where is it? Right here. Yeah, an 11. What kind of sense does that make? Why would it be an extra playing uh, game to be the 11th seed in a bracket? If it's you're really doing four playing games, wouldn't they all be the 16 seeds, like the worst team in each bracket? 
Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. But anyway, um, I, you know, I don't get to decide that stuff. So whatever. It's just anyway. But what I don't see is people are talking about Syracuse's chance to make a run past this. And I don't see them advancing because of who they have to play next. Now, they're playing Duke who's in their conference, and who also runs a zone of their own. And so this is where Syracuse will get cut off because this team has seen their zone. They know what they're trying to do, and they'll be able – Duke is talented enough all the way across the board, and they run that same zone that they'll be able to handle Syracuse's zone well enough to win, although they may not cover just because it's at Syracuse zone. So continuing with the mayhem, right, another top seed, Xavier, loses to Florida State. They're out. UNC and the prof, if he was here, he'd probably be on the table stripping down. Um, he hates UNC. They get destroyed by Texas A&M, absolutely boat raced. Johnny Football was all fired up on Twitter. My man, sup, Johnny? Uh, so UNC gets completely destroyed. Texas A&M handled them inside, and it was beautiful. Uh, I also am not a big UNC guy. I'm, I don't have the hate for it that Nick does, the sort of hellfire hate that I can't really explain where it came from or, or what the hell he's so mad about. But yeah, so UNC out. And then we get into the South bracket. Now we already sort of had some mayhem in the first round here as we talked about with Arizona. And now really all hell breaks loose. So here we go. Cincinnati loses to Nevada. The, the two. Oh, sorry. I did mention that um, also in the South here, I said Arizona in the first round, we had Virginia, right? So you're one and four already out in the first round. Since he loses to Nevada, there goes your two. And then Tennessee Louis loses to Loyola Chicago, who upset Miami. So your top four seeds, kaput, in the second round. Let me read to you the seeds that are left in the South bracket. This bracket is like something I've never seen in like any other of tournaments that I've been involved in brackets because I barely see anybody that's got any names left. The only one is Kentucky as the five, but here you go. So the matchups here in the Sweet 16 in the South, you got Kansas State playing Kentucky. So Kentucky's a five, so they were, you know, the one team that you see not everybody having red across the lines. Uh, and then Loyola Chicago versus Nevada. So you got 9 verse 5 and 11 verse 7. Um, it's, again, one of the beauties of just this tournament overall. It's awesome to see. Um, upsets everywhere. I, I sort of enjoy it. So we'll see what happens there. Um, that's Before I go to the betting angle, and we talked about a lot of bad basketball, let's talk about some good basketball because there are – Good teams playing still, and uh, a lot of good teams. I talked about Duke. Duke is a very strong team. I've been a little critical of Duke. Well, not necessarily me. Um, we had the whole conversation about Marvin Bagley because he's a one-and-done uh, and the Dan Dockage thing, but I still think the kid's an absolute stud, right? He's a top-three NBA pick, and they've got strong guard play. I mean, uh, they got my man Grayson Allen, who everybody hates, who I love. So, you know, Duke is playing very well. They're strong. And then, obviously, they're playing Syracuse because Michigan State got knocked out. Uh, on the top side of their bracket, Kansas is playing very well. So, Kansas still alive. Um, they look good, as they did all year. It was sort of weird to me. They, I think they said seven losses for Kansas getting the one line, but they're still a really good team. Uh, they're stacked up with senior talent. I feel like Devonta Graham has been in college forever. Um, actually saw a funny thing. 
this weekend, uh, I was tweeting out when I was here. I think it was probably the day I spilled the paint, or maybe I was up here trying to clean it up. I can't remember. Um, but I was asking who'd been in college longer, Devonte Graham or Levance Fields, if anybody gets that reference. Uh, <laughs> um, it was pretty funny. I think that's what I was tweeting. I don't know. I think I've been drinking too. So on the top side then of the bracket there, Villanova still alive. Villanova is, I think, by far the best team left in the tournament. Uh, they've looked strong their first two games. The one thing that scares you at Villanova and, and everybody and their mother has said this, and of course they come out the first two games and shoot the lights out, is if Villanova doesn't shoot well, do they still win? But I hear you. I hear what you're saying. But they're still the bet, the most talented team, I feel like, in the tournament, maybe outside of Duke left. Uh, so I think Villanova is going to be fine. I have Villanova winning it all. Not that it's going to help me win any brackets, uh, but I think a lot of people around here do since we're in Philly. So, yeah, there's still some some quality teams left, and there'll be some quality basketball to be played. The one uh, thing that I did want to mention, which was an interesting uh, turn of events, so Purdue, who's been a strong team all year, who's the two-seed in Nova's bracket, their first game, their big man, who I was calling uh, Drago Jr., he kind of looks like Dolph Lundgren, I feel like. The dude's 7'3". He's a really good player. He's their senior big man. He broke his elbow, so he's out. And he did that in the first game, and then they played Butler, and I was pretty certain that they were going to lose that game to Purdue or to Butler without him, and they didn't. So that'll be interesting to see what happens here for them. Um, you know, I don't know if they can take Nova if they get that far. They've got to get past Florida here. It looks like uh, to make it. Or no, I'm sorry, it's Texas Tech. So. They got to get past Texas Tech first if they want a shot at Nova, but I, I don't know if they even have enough for Texas Tech given they're missing their big man. But we'll see. Uh, but that's pretty much a chalk bracket up there almost, so that's that's good. Um, let's talk about the betting angle. This this sent me uh, into an even worse rage than I was in this weekend from spilling a gallon of fucking paint on the floor, uh, not the floor, the carpet. So. This was all over Twitter, and if you follow me, I'm at JRIP18. I tweeted this out pretty much immediately and then jumped on board of every other single person who tweeted this out because I was just losing my shit. So I took Kansas minus four and a half against Seton Hall, right? <laughs> Everybody knew this was coming. So it's back and forth, but as the game draws in late, Kansas had steadily held a five to six to seven point lead back and forth throughout the last about two minutes of the game. So Kansas is up five, which is an extremely dangerous number for me. And Seton Hall fouls. And there's about, I want to say, five seconds left. So I'm just begging for this kid to make both free throws, and he does. So now they, the ball comes inbound, and I want to say there's between four and five seconds left. But this game is over, right? The last time I checked, which is every fucking day, there's no seven-point baskets on the court. Yet this kid at Seton Hall feels the need to run over, get the ball, sprint with it up the floor, and take an off-balance, ridiculous three, and he lets it go with about a half a second left. So the buzzer goes off while it's in the air. Again, there's no seven points they're not down four, so he could hope to get fouled and make it. The game's clearly over, but this jackass makes the three to cover for Seton Hall. Okay, this kind of thing happens all the time, right, you feel like. 
Let me throw something else in there. This three made the over hit too. This sent me into a tailspin because when I, I watched the play about six more times and I see the kid just determined to get up there and take a three for no reason, no reason, right? I mean, as actually, if you go back to the live broadcast, the coach is hugging one of the other kids, right? One of the seniors who's never going to play again. Like everybody knows the game's over when you're down seven points with three seconds left except apparently this kid. So he sprints up the floor and makes this shot, which makes Seton Hall cover and hit the over. And I just start thinking to myself, did he know what the spread was? Did he know what the over was? And I think the overwhelming answer to me is yes. And I start running scenarios through my head, and I did this all weekend. Let me throw one your way, and you can tell me what you think. And I'm pulling from, if you guys remember, Henry Hill, right, and the whole Boston College point shave thing, which happened. And I'll also reference <laughs> the blue chips point shaving thing, right? Go to the tape, coach. That point, that alleged point shaving incident, that happened. So I don't feel like it's that far-fetched or a big of a stretch for a scenario like this to happen. Let me play it out for you. I'm a bookkeeper, and... Kansas is coming in at a very soft line of four and a half against Seton Hall. I would estimate probably 80 to 90% of all money came in on Kansas minus four and a half. Okay. Now, I'm this same bookmaker and I've got connections and we've been doing this sort of thing throughout the year back and forth with multiple different kids on multiple different teams. So I make a call to my connection, and you don't do this all the time, right? It's only in big situations when there's a huge amount of money on the line. I make a call to my connection who's got the end of the Seton Hall kids. Typically, you'd like to have three of them, maybe four, but two will work. But let's say that we'll split the middle. They got three. Calls up the guy and says, hey, we got a ton riding on Kansas. We'd love to see this go the other way. Let's talk to the Seton Hall kids. Now, this guy comes to the Seton Hall kids and he says, listen, guys, you know, you guys are four and a half point underdogs. I know you'd love to win the game. What if we make a little bit more extra incentive for you guys to win the game? Or if you can't win, just make sure you can get to that cover. Do us a, a solid. And, you know, if you can't try late, you know, keep playing harder afterwards to try and get to that point spread. If you can, we got 10, we got 20K in it for you. Just a bonus. You get nothing. If you lose and don't cover, don't worry about it. Nothing. You don't have any skin in the game. But if you can get to that, if you can get to that four, get to that number, we'll pay you off. If you don't think that's happening, you guys are outside of your mind. You see all the stuff going on with Sean Miller and the paying kids that come to school. We've been talking about the last couple weeks, the one and done shit all the time. And if you don't think that there's bookies out there or there's people out there who are point shaving, look around. Open your fucking eyes. Tim Donaghy got busted for it in the NBA as an official. These types of things can happen all the time. That play, which seems just innocent, right? Last play of the year, run up the floor. That could have won that kid 20 grand, but cost him nothing. I'm not saying that he's betting on the games. I'm saying there's people who when they get these landslide type of games where there's so much money on one side, 
they go to the other side, especially in a case when the other side is the underdog, and say, look, guys, I got a little extra incentive in it for you. You got some cash money waiting for you if you can win this game outright. What I mean, what else do the Seton Hall kids do? They want to win this game outright. It could be the last game of their careers. It's an NCAA tournament game. They're playing the number one seed in their bracket, Kansas. They'd love to knock them off anyway. But if they come to somebody and they get free money if they win, or the worst case, if they can cover, of course they're going to say yes. So to me, I feel like this happens all the time. I don't have a better explanation for it other than that. Because I've seen the end of a ton of these games, and that's the only one where I see a kid sprinting up the floor when his team is down an insurmountable amount of points with no time left, and he's chucking up a shot for no reason. If there's others, let me know. If my theory's crazy, let me know. If I'm just a, a stubborn, soggy asshole for losing, let me know. But I feel like it's not that far off. I feel like it's real. I feel like there's people out here that could be messing with these point spreads all the time. So, yeah. So that's that's another reason why I was incredibly pissed off uh, this weekend, aside from spilling paint on my carpet. Uh, and losing that bet, I, you know, I actually did fine betting, um, the first day I had a 14 parlay, so I'm not complaining about the money. I'm just complaining about the possibility of the outcome be affecting. And honestly, I hate that kid. Like I hate him. So (laughs) I absolutely hate him, but that's it guys. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up there because I'm running up on a half hour mark and you're probably done hearing me talk already. Wanted to get a quick one in here for you guys only because, it's been we missed this weekend. Uh, Nick and I had the studio again for this weekend, so we should be putting out another show. I again, I appreciate everybody weighing in on this and this. I'm gonna get all this set up better. Please, if you didn't see the video earlier today, send me feedback on what you think of the new setup here. Um, like I said earlier, we've been trying to take everybody's suggestions uh, in and try and put them out as much as we can, right? And the, one of the biggest ones that I've gotten steadily since we started is that you know this everything behind you in my home office where we were doing the remote shows uh was bad as well obviously the audio quality i know nobody could hear us nick that's right you're not here um (laughs) so obviously i got the audio figured out but i had to do something with the room itself so this room should be better acoustic wise hopefully look wise right for when we're away um one of the things that we want to do as i've been talking about is a remote show so I'm trying to work on setting that up. I'll put the details out for everybody on that one. Um, as always, appreciate everybody's feedback, everybody's support. A <clears throat> um, couple other things that I have in the works because people have talked about it again. Uh, people are looking for a show intro, so I'm trying to work on that. Uh, again, I, my video editing skills are coming around, um, but I'm trying to do that. <clears throat> um, I didn't do any music today. Actually, to get a little sidetracked here, I wanted to do... Uh, Little Dickie's Freaky Friday. I don't know if anybody's heard it. He dropped it on Thursday. It's the number one song on iTunes. Uh, It's great. I really like it. Uh, I didn't want to get hit with copyright infringement (laughs) like I did uh, last week and have to chop some off. So I didn't play an intro song, but I do want to get an intro video together. Uh, Some other feedback we've heard. People really want to call in, right? So I've got the mixer set up. Once we get this room set up, we'll be doing calls. I got to talk to the prof about Saturday. Really think we're going to take some calls on Saturday too. So uh, we'll put that information out there. Again, follow the prof or myself on Twitter or hit us up on Facebook. Or look, you guys got our numbers. Just text us, you know, whatever. I'm rambling on. That's it. I'm done. Appreciate everybody's feedback again. Swags out.